0: We're live. We are live. freaking out. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Turn it off. I'm freaking out. Another episode. Stop it. Coming live. I'm
1: freaking out. Okay, welcome, everybody. I'm Peter Coulter. I've gotten myself together.
0: And I'm Tyrod Bussard. All of my faculties are in check. Indeed. Lovely. All right, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Mercenary Musician Podcast. What are
1: we talking about today, Chad? Pricing. One of my favorite topics. There's a something I said in the first episode that Chad keeps chuckling about.
0: Oh, man, I was about to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. You say it. There is a place for arrogance, and it is in your pricing.
1: That's really the only place for it. All right. So basically, this is a super common issue for musicians and artists in general, but I don't give a shit about other artists. We're talking about musicians. (laughs) Sorry. Pricing. You will hear the E word mentioned a lot. The E word being exposure. <laughs> Musicians, a lot of times, and it's a little different story if you're an original musician and you're trying to push some original music that nobody's heard of yet. But you're not really ever going to play what I'm talking about, these cover gigs for exposure. Never. Just don't, just don't do it. Um, I've made all these mistakes before, uh, so hopefully you won't have to. I'll tell you a little story here. When I first was starting out about six years ago, I wanted to book this gig down on the beach. I, I know there's a lot of, I knew there was a lot of cover work happening down on the beach. I went up to this guy at this bar on the beach and I said, "Hey, uh, I'm a musician. I want to try to book a gig here. What's up?" And he said, "Oh, well, you got to come in and play for an hour, and I won't pay you, but you can keep tips, and I'll give you like a few free drinks." And I was just starting. I was naive, and this guy knew that. And I said, "Okay, cool." And the idea being some chode comes in, brings all of his friends, plays for an hour, he might suck, who cares, because he brought 20 people in to drink. And that not only and they've come all the way down to the beach now, so they're not just going to stay for an hour, they're going to stay for 2, 3 hours and drink all day. Maybe or at least some of them will. It's just like it's it's just taking advantage of somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. Don't do that. You know, with the idea being, "Oh, this is like an unpaid internship. Maybe I'll book you." And the guy did offer me a gig, but I told him in advance, I'm like, look, I uh, I need to book. I was, like, leaving town in a few months. I was like, I need to book. I want to book gigs, like, in the next two months. And he's like, okay, we'll come in for an hour, and we'll see if you're good enough, and then I'll book you. And so I brought my friends in, played for an hour, and he's like, okay, cool. I can book you in three months. And I was like, motherfucker, <laughs> I told you what my situation. Like, he, he knew full well. And I just, <laughs> I learned, I halfway learned the lesson there. I was like, okay, well, that sucked, but had I been you know, like ready to, to book those gigs in three months, that would have worked out fine kind of thing, you know? So I, I did that one more time where I uh, I booked a gig. The guy was like, yeah, you got to come in. I want to see you play. You got to come in, play for an hour and, you know, bring bring some people in. We'll see how you do. And if I like you, then we'll book more gigs. I did that again, brought my friends in. You know, I brought fucking 20 people into this dead-ass bar. Nobody's there except my friends. I don't get paid. I get, like, three free beers or whatever it was. And the guy says... Like, the guy critiques my set. And he's like, oh, you're playing, like, too much classic stuff. People want to hear, like... uh forget what was on the radio. It was, like, Radioactive by whatever. You remember that song, Radioactive? Yeah. Radioactive. Radioactive. Yeah, Imagine Dragons, whatever. And I was just like, dude, I'm never going to do that. Yeah. You go, fuck you. And at that point, I was, you know... As I said, I've evolved over the years. I'm less defensive about that type of thing now you shouldn't be too prideful to play radioactive if somebody wants it but the fact that this dude was going to let me come in for free play for an hour and then tell me my whole set needed to be different (laughs) fuck that guy you know and so i was like okay well that's the last fucking time i ever play anywhere for free you guys can all go fuck yourselves and i haven't since and it has worked out just fine don't do it if somebody needs to see how you are have a video that's right. what I was going to ask you. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: had you have had the promotional material that we talked about in the last episode, that I could
1: have told them to go fuck themselves. No, here's a video. If you like this, if this works for you, then I can come in, and this is my rate. Yeah. That's it. And rates can be negoti- negotiable, but don't don't play somewhere for free. You are worth. It is worth something for you to come out, set up your equipment. I mean, to play for one hour, that's the thing. Is playing for one hour isn't one third of playing for three hours. It's like half mm-hmm. of playing for three hours because you got to drive there. You got to set up your gear, you got to break down your gear, and you got to drive back. All right? That's like, you know, so much of the time is, like, once you're there, may as well play three, four sets, you know? But getting there and unpacking and setting up your gear and, I mean, if you're bringing friends, which is not part of your job, by the way, if you're bringing all your friends, that's another thing. You had to sit around fucking texting your friends and trying to promote the show? No. All right? No. You've done, like, a lot of work for three beers, and I just... After that second one, I was like, oh, I see what's happening here. These two bar owners or managers or whatever are taking advantage of a guy who doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. I was like, okay, well, that's the last of that. You're welcome. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Both of those, uh, well, one of them went out of business. The other one, I don't know, fucking just sucks, I guess, in some other ways. I think they're still in business. It's a like Beach Bar. The Beach Bar is still going. Anyway, okay, that was a that was a rant a little bit. That was but, good, uh, though. Basically, basically, pricing is based on supply and demand. It's like basic economics. There's a certain demand for a thing, in this case, live entertainment, specifically live music, and there's a certain level of supply. There's a certain number of people who can do the job. There's, you know, there's a bottom level of quality. And then there's, you know, different qualities that change the type of supply you're talking about. But essentially, it's pretty simple. There's X number of musicians. There's Y number of bars that want musicians. And those two things interact in some way that create a price. You can find what that price is over over time, kind of through trial and error. It's going to vary a little bit from region to region based on supply and demand, based on how many bars are in the area, bars and restaurants in the area are want live music, and how many capable musicians there are. You know, on some level, there's only one of you, right? So in the supply category, if you're really unique, and this is why original acts that are really popular can charge so fucking much. This is why Eric Clapton charges, whatever, $400 a ticket and packs a room.
0: Only plays where it's, you know, non-vax locations. He can do that. uh, Yeah, whatever.
1: Uh, (laughs) Let's just not do that, right? (laughs) Yeah, he, you know, he charges $400 a ticket because there's high demand and there's one Eric Clapton and they don't want somebody playing covers who's interchangeable. They want Eric Clapton. Yeah. They've got one, one guy, right? Low supply, high demand, high price. Um, so you're in a little bit of a different boat. I mean, if you're like obviously the best in town or you're in a top tier like like I am, you can charge a little more, but you're still to some extent interchangeable. If you're in a place where there's like no demand where nobody could be bothered to give a shit about live music, that's gonna be tough. Or if you're in a place where there's high demand but also extremely high supply like downtown Nashville, a lot of times from what I hear, those bars don't pay anything to musicians because supply is so high of quality bands in Nashville and quality musicians that it and demand is high too, but supply is so high that it outstrips demand and price is essentially zero. And they the reason they're they're out there playing is either partly for exposure, which is a bit of a dirty word in my world, but also for tips. They make they make great tips from what I hear. Okay, so in my area currently demand is very high and it's getting higher because people are moving here. This is Southwest Florida I'm in. People are moving here. A lot of a lot of older people, specifically who love live music, want to hear classic rock, want to hear classic country, want to hear blues, want to hear classic soul and funk and all that stuff, and they they want live music. So bars are competing to put good musicians in front of these crowds. So prices slowly going up. I recommend having a so we kind of covered supply and demand, right? I think you guys get this concept. You can kind of get it's it's. It's sort of art and science mixed together a little bit here because it's like I said, you are the only one of you, but you're also to some extent interchangeable. So figuring out to what extent you are interchangeable and to what extent you are not kind of affects what supply actually is. So know your own worth, know how good you are. If you're brand new to it, supply is very high because you're probably not that good. Right. There's probably a lot of people uh, comparatively a lot of people who can do what you do, which is kind of fumble through it, which Mm -hmm. is not a problem. Okay. You can fumble through your first year of this. I did, you know? So if you're not very good or you're, or you're new and you're not great at talking to a crowd or whatever supply for that is pretty high. If you're like me and you've been doing this for six years and you're excellent at it, supply is lower because if somebody wants the best people who can do this, they have a smaller group they can choose from. So, and demand stays the same more or less because we're in the same area and so supply is lower demand stays the same price goes up all right that's enough economics 101 it's just important to kind of think of things in that in that way i recommend having a floor price good place to start here is 50 bucks an hour that is pretty much below my floor now um you can raise your floor as you go i would start with 50 bucks an hour uh, 150 for a three-hour gig is is where i would start that's where i started Actually, so I've been saying, you know, I don't, I don't really know region to region it changes and blah blah blah, but I recently spoke to somebody in Los Angeles who is doing this full time, which is a place you might think, like Nashville, oh super high supply of musicians, Mm -hmm. super okay, there's high demand, but there's also extremely high supply, it might be tough, and uh, she told me that indeed it is true that in like downtown LA you're not going to be really able to do this, but. There are plenty of surrounding areas. There are lots of suburbs. The That city sprawls the fuck out big time. There are suburbs. There are little sports bars. There are private events. There's all kinds of stuff where you can do this. And she basically told me that her floor price is 50 bucks an hour. So this is doable even in big cities. And there's just a slightly different way you need to do it. You probably need to get out of downtown. You need to get to kind of the surrounding areas. You should be willing to drive an hour to maybe two at the very most. And frankly, I drive one hour one hour is about my max that I'll drive for like for my prices without adding more to the price but most of my gigs my brunch gigs are in Naples which is 45 minute drive away from me my Sunday evening gig is on Captiva which is an hour drive 45 minutes to an hour away from my house so I drive for this and I live in a relatively small city you know there's plenty of work to do this closer to me but they just don't pay enough for me because the supply that they're looking for is whatever So the fact that I'm a lot better than everyone else who plays in the bar doesn't matter to them. They want to pay 50 bucks an hour or sometimes less. And I just, it's not worth my time anymore. So I go to Naples, a place where the crowd is a little more discerning and they want the best and they pay more for it. That's where I go. Okay. So where was, okay, floor, your floor price. I recommend starting with 50 bucks an hour. Uh, Again, you can find this out a little bit just by networking, which is covered in another episode. You want to talk with people at open mics. You want to talk with other professional musicians who are doing this. Go out, again, become a patron yourself. Meet the musicians who are out there doing it. Chat with them. Become friends with them before you immediately go for like, hey, this is a business talk. Give me free information. Make friends with people, right?
0: You need to be a product of the product.
1: Yeah, well, yes. And you need to... You need to give first. That's kind of more of a conceptual, zoomed out idea. That's what we're doing with this podcast, frankly, is we're giving first. We're just giving you a bunch of free information. We were just talking about this. Are we giving you too much? Are we going to be able to sell a course because there's so much here? I think we are because what we're doing is we're showing you guys that we've got valuable information. You can pay for a more directed, personalized thing. Or you can try to piece through all this, this fire hose of information we're giving you here yourself. And you can get a lot from just this, If you especially if you don't have any money. But I mean, I think it's going to be worth it for us to charge you two gigs worth or whatever of money, you know, 300, 400 bucks for a course. It's two gigs worth. You know, if we if we book you, if we help you book two gigs, it's paid for itself
0: I was going to say, use the podcast so you have the money from the gig and then buy the course.
1: Sure. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Anyway, that's that's enough kind of pre sales <laughs> talk.
0: Well, back to the floor price. OK, uh, let's talk about season. Yeah. So does your floor what do you do in season with the floor price? Well, Does I try fluctuate? to raise it. It,
1: it depends. Yes, it, it fluctuates a bit. It depends. So there's there's another topic that we haven't quite gotten to yet. Travel time and reoccurrence of the gig we have written in the notes here. So let's ignore travel time for the moment, but reoccurrence of the gig. I've got gigs that pay the same rate all through off-season. They just, the check's clear every single week. They want to keep me. They want me on their books for season, so they pay me when no one's there to be there so I could try to come at them and say hey it's season now my rates are going up and with one of these gigs I'm going to do that I'm actually just about to ask for a raise we'll talk about this I just asked for a raise on one of my gigs and was basically denied and we'll talk about that a bit later but you can ask for raises in ways that don't that aren't like okay either you pay me more or I'm gone type thing you can Mm -hmm. say hey I'm you know, demand has gone up. Supply has not changed. I mean, you say it more or less like there's a lot of these people you're talking to are business people, you know, so demand is going up. I've got, I've got people trying to pay me more for this same time slot. Can you kind of match that? Or, you know, I like playing with you guys, so you don't even need to match it, but can we come up a little bit? Sometimes they'll say yes. And sometimes I'll say, no, there's really nothing more in the budget for it. So I really hope we get to keep you, but I understand if you got to leave us for a higher paying gig, you know, and that's what happened with my most recent phone call with this this lady who books me. Which kind of sucks. I was hoping for a raise. I mean, I, f- I fucking crush it there. I know that there are people that come specifically to see me on that day every week. And another thing is it's on my, it's on my like, buffer day. So I work Thursday through Sunday. Mm. And it's my Thursday, right? Mm. So I'm like,
0: um... What well, could be a three-day weekend.
1: No, I could change, yeah, I could change my life into... A four, no, a four day weekend, Monday through Thursday work week. And not that they're weekends, really. I mean, we do this. I do a lot of other stuff. I got a lot of shit. I got a lot of shit to do, you know, and my Saturdays and Sundays are double. So I'm fucking banking on those two days. And then just if I just do Friday night, Saturday, double Sunday, double. And that's my whole work week. And I'm still making like fifteen hundred bucks a week or sixteen hundred bucks a week in three days. So it's like it kind of comes into question, like, what is this Thursday worth to me? This Thursday changes my work week. Into a mo into a more than half of, of my week is work to a less than half of my week is work. It's a yeah. big, it's a big like inflection point day. So I'm like, man, I, and I, I get paid two fifty for four hours base pay at this gig.
0: You've had the gig make... for three to four years though,
1: haven't you? Uh, on and off. It's been it's been a different thing. It's it's moved around. Would
0: that play into it at all?
1: Not really. I mean, yeah, I I don't know, I don't know. It depends. It's like. Uh, yeah. I mean, if it's super reliable. Yeah. And it, and it is. It pays every single week. They'll take me. They take me every single Thursday that I have for them. And they, they let me not book Thursdays. If somebody comes along with a super high paying gig mm-hmm. on a Thursday, I can say, hey, I can't do this one. And they'll say, OK. So, you know, it's pretty flexible. It's cool. It's a I love the place. The food is excellent. I'll, I'll just give them a free plug. This place is called George and Wendy's on If It's like the only place on Santa Bel Island that's open past like 10. So it's got like a late night crowd pop there. It's like all the waiters go there after work. It's, it's a cool spot. The food is really good. The tips are, especially during season The tips are great. So like I walk, it's 250 base pay for four hours. And then they basically told me that's like the top of their, of their budget for a solo guy, which is fine, but it's, that's really like my floor now. And I'm trying to push that floor higher. And also this Thursday would turn my work week into, you know, and, and also, and I'm not lying. I've got people sniffing around that day,
0: trying to pay me more, you yeah, know? So so you're saying that if you had an additional player with you, you could charge more? They would they'd be yeah, willing to play? Yeah, so, you know, I don't know. So
1: so what she what she told me is that there's another duo that plays, which is, I think, the wrong way to think about it. You shouldn't think, oh, a duo charges this much, a solo guy should be less. no. No, you should pay how good the act is. If a solo guy comes out and has like a looping pedal and plays the drums and loops the drums and then plays a saxophone and play, and it draws a fucking huge a crowd, band? yeah, yeah, <laughs> you should be able to charge like a band, you know. And they do. I mean, fucking Ed Sheeran charges like a band, and he uses a looping pedal at his gigs, which is you know crazy to me. But I mean, if I were that big, I would have a fucking band. But whatever, <laughs> yeah, you just do your thing. Whatever you got to do, Ed Sheeran. Anyway, so I, I think that's the wrong way to look at it, but she looks at it that way, and that's you know that's fine. I'm not trying to talk her out of that exactly. I just, you know, she but she told me yeah, there's a duo that plays every week that plays for 300 bucks for four hours. So it's a buck 50 a guy for four hours, which is should be below your floor more or less, I think. Which is why one of the reasons why I push would push you away from being in a duo unless you absolutely have to. If you're just a singer and you need a musician to back you up, then I would. Maybe say okay, do a duo, but duos like a duo would not be able to charge her five hundred bucks for four hours and mm-hmm. get two fifty a guy like I'm getting. Yeah. So anyway, we're we're a little off topic here, aren't we? Okay, seasonal seasonal rates, mm-hmm. seasonal floor. Yeah, you could try to bump them for for season, especially if you're booking piece by piece. Like I book my so my my Saturday and Sunday morning gig is a brunch gig every single week forever and ever. They just book me. They'll have me anytime I'm available, which is almost always. Um, then Sunday evening is a weekly gig. So those are my only three weekly gigs this is my Sunday double. Both of those are, are every week, my Saturday morning. That's every week. The Thursday thing I talked about is more or less every week, but those, those gigs, I'm, I'm going to try to get a little bit of a rate hike for my, my brunch gig, but I'm not going to frame it in a way that's like, you're going to lose me if you don't, if you don't meet this raise, because it's a weekly gig. They pay me uh, two fifty for four hours every Saturday morning, every Sunday morning. All through off season when no one was there. So that's cool to me. That's worth something to me. So I'm gonna try to get a raise out of them and that would be really extra great because if I can get it up to like eighty an hour, that's three twenty a gig, that's a seventy dollar raise per gig. That's a hundred forty dollar a raise per weekend. That's what is that, two eighty, that's five sixty extra a month. Right? Yeah, that's five hundred sixty extra dollars a month. That's fifty, six hundred, that's you know, whatever. Six six or seven grand extra a year. That's a that's a big deal in the big grand scheme of things. You know, another 5-600 bucks a month is is not a small deal. So it'd be nice to get that raise. But if they if they came back and said no, absolutely not, can't do it, it's not in the budget, I'd say okay, well, you know. And I'm I'm still honestly this is not my strongest suit is uh negotiation. business ne- business negotiation. So I'm working through this kind of as I go. I'm I'm Sort of being mentored by some older business guys that I know about this, but it's actually a weak point of a lot of musicians. A lot of a lot of musicians are kind of afraid to to push.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: I think it's because we're we're kind of like artists, and artists feel like and this is where this is why people can get away with the fucking exposure thing. Is artists feel like what they're doing is fun or something? Maybe not fun is the right word. Maybe fun isn't the right word, but they feel like what they're doing is not worth money. Because they do it anyway, yeah. kind of thing. And I'll tell you what, that gets drummed out of you after doing this full time for six years. It becomes, at a certain point, it was not fun for me. It was like this is fucking work, and that's not where you want to be either. You want to be enjoying it, but it should, it should also be. You should take like a lunch pail mentality of this. It's not fun. It's, I mean, it should be fun, but it's not just fun. It's a job. It's a, you know, it's an income. So. Anyway, I'm just kind of rambling here.
0: No, you're not. All right. Yeah, you're on.
1: Okay, so where were we? Help me out, Chad. So
0: we just finished discussing whether or not you should increase your seasonal rates. Yeah. And kind of some ways to combat that if for any reason they declined. Yeah, and the
1: short answer is yeah, sometimes you should. Sometimes you shouldn't. (laughs) There's there's honestly, if you have a good relationship with these places, asking for a raise, there's kind of no harm in trying. So I I I chatted with this lady who who books me at, at the Sanibel gig, and the conversation went can't really do it but we'd love to keep you you know and i understand if we can't if somebody offers you more money and i said okay cool Confident. so it's not you know it's not that the the gig's not gone because i asked her for job. more money yeah she heard me and she said thanks for you know i went on a phone call with her i texted her i said hey do you have time for a phone call we we only book through text really so it's a little a little weird to have a phone call
0: that's a good thing so you I said, bring hey. up though She says, so said
1: hey do you have time for a phone call she said yep i said right now or you got a time specific she said right now it's fine called her had a short talk on the phone with her I'm a charming nice person you know too so I'm using that I get on the phone with you so you're not just reading text that could be from a psychopath it's nice peter on the phone you know uh hey I'm you know I've got these demand is kind of going up it's going crazy right now here and I've got somebody kind of trying to offer me a little more money for for some Thursdays so I was wondering if you could if we could bump bump the pay a little bit and she was like no <laughs> basically you know and it, it that was it you know there's she said, you know, kind of keep me posted on what's happening because we're booked through December. She was like, okay, if you need to change stuff, I said, no, I'm not going to pull gigs out from under you for this. We mm-hmm. booked through December. We're, we're going through December. It's October right now. We're booked through December. You keep all those gigs. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to mess up your schedule because of this. But uh, I'll let you know kind of what starts happening in January. And I'd love to at least, and I said, and I, I thought, planned some of this out beforehand. I said, I'd love to at least keep like every other week with you. And even if I don't book anything, even if whatever this other gig is it's, that offered me more money, doesn't end up being a regular thing. I think that could be a good kind of half half measure where I'm like, okay, now I'm every other week I got a Thursday through Sunday work week and on the alternating week I've got a Friday through Sunday work week and I've got, you know, two weeks off every mo- I mean that's crazy, right? 4 days off, 3 days off, 4 days off, 3 days off. That's two, that's 2 weeks off every month. I'm working a half the month. Pretty epic. Yeah. And I'm I'm st- I'd still be making 1700 bucks, 1800 bucks a week. I
0: hope you guys are taking notes cuz that's what you can be doing it's, too. It's
1: like it's doable and Granted, I'm better than most people in this area, but there are people who are not, who are in the, like, I'm, we'll just say this, I'm in the top quartile of Mm -hmm. musicians in this area. People in the bottom quartile still make money. I know people in the bottom quartile who make a thousand bucks a week. It's something you can do. It's not, you don't have to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Without a degree, for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Okay. So what about uh, charging additional for holidays and events?
1: Do it. You should definitely do it. You're going to have to... Your rates should be slightly flexible. I've just... The floor is kind of important. So you start at your floor with 50 bucks an hour. That should be... That's for public gigs at bars where there's a person who's keeping an eye on their music budget. If somebody calls you up and says, we're doing a private party, I mean, I go for 250 an hour for private events.
0: You should have these numbers already. You should
1: have these numbers. You should have a floor rate in mind. And you'll start to see... What you'll start seeing is you'll... My, my rate for private events used to be 100 an hour. I thought that was a lot. Right. And what I started to notice was I actually had one person, a wedding planner, try to hire me. She said, What would you charge for like seven to 10 at this wedding for three hours? I said, 300 bucks. And she was like, You need to charge more than that. <laughs> and I was like, thank, thank you. Yeah, yeah. She was very nice. Uh, I said, Thank you for that. I mean, how about 600 bucks, you know, 200 bucks? And she was like, Yeah, fine. And honestly, she probably was thinking, Yeah, that's still not enough. I, I, I ended up charging later. She, she tried to hire me like a year later and I had kind of learned my lesson from that. And then she was like, uh, how about these? It was like a two or three hour thing. I was like thousand bucks. She was like, yep, done. She's like, I mean, I'm still probably not charging enough. You know, Uh, that was my highest paying single gig ever at the time. Uh, still probably to this day, a thousand bucks for three hours. I don't do weddings very much, but, and weddings often don't really want solo guys. Not, not very often. Sometimes they'll, they'll have them for, a. like a reception thing. That's what I was there for. I was mm-hmm. like the little reception thing. But yeah. they, if usually weddings will do real bands, which charge a lot of fucking money. They're also really good. They're like you know the they're like legit, legit musicians usually wedding bands. Anyway, private events you should have a, a higher rate. So what you, what you'll start seeing, and you'll see this with your floor price at bars too, is a lot of times fifty bucks an hour. You'll you'll quote people, be like, hey, what would you play? What would you charge for six to nine at my bar Friday night? And you'll say a, a buck fifty, and they'll be like, yep, done. And you'll start, to, you'll start to see, oh, people are snapping at these prices, so I'm pricing too low. The reaction you want is you want somebody's eyes to pop a little bit and go, all right, I think I can do that. Or they will push back a little bit, and then you meet somewhere in the middle. That's what you want. You don't want, yes, definitely, cool. You're on the books already. Sign the contract, you know. I'm using sign the contract as a figure of speech. A lot, most, most bar gigs won't have you sign a contract. But, yeah, you want, that, that that's what the floor price is for. You're going to start seeing, oh, I can raise my floor from here 50 bucks an hour is too low. You'll start to see then I recently, you know, in the last couple of years, I raised it to 200 bucks for three hours. That is now like my floor. And even that is starting to, to raise up. And that's that's how I ended up with this two fifty for four hours gig is I charged her two hundred for three hours. And she kinda winced at it a little bit and said, Yeah, that's you'll be like my highest paid three hour guy. And then she's she tried to extend it to four hours and she she offered the price. She said, Can we do four hours, two fifty for this? like she jumped to say two fifty for four hours because she didn't want me raising it more. And I said, Yeah, that sounds fine. That's what I was gonna ask for anyway. This brunch gig is two fifty for four hours. They asked for my rate. And I gave them that at the time because I thought that was what it was worth. And honestly, in hindsight, I should ask for more because they snapped right at it. They didn't push back at all. They said, two fifty-four hours done. You're on both days. Yeah. Yeah. And I also was kind of thinking, this is where we talk about recurrence of the gig as a value thing. And it's like, I was thinking shit, 500 bucks a weekend before even I get to the afternoon, Saturday and Sunday. That's amazing. That was, sounded amazing to me. And it is, it has been a big part of my, my hockey stick growth here that we're talking about with my, my income recently is this brunch gig has been a big help. Um, making 500 bucks a weekend before fucking four o'clock is pretty sweet.
0: It's also like the spot down there for brunch, too.
1: It's great. And uh, during off season, tips kind of suck and it's outside. So in September, it's like 100 degrees outside and it can be kind of miserable. But in season, I make like a minimum of 100 bucks in tips each, each day. So 100 to 150, let's call an average of 100 just to be conservative. So making 100 bucks a day. So 500 bucks plus 200 bucks is 700 bucks. I mean, that's that could be a week's pay right there. That's that was my week's pay when I started For and I was happy with it, it
0: is working yeah. an actual nine to five. Yeah.
1: And I'm done. And that's Saturday and Sunday, 11 to three. I'm done. Two days, two four hour days, six hours. If you include driving, you know, driving and set up, you know, so that's a 12 hour work week making 700 bucks. I mean, that's stupid. Come on. You know, and they feed you. And if you drink, they give you drinks. It's like. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. Come on. So that's that's what my uh, that's what like recurrence of the gig. You can kind of think of it in that way. But then there's another way to think of recurrence of the gig. It's like if it's going to be every week and you can get an extra 20 bucks out of it, that's an extra 20 bucks every week. So you do want to try to find what the most they're willing to pay comfortably. You don't want to get them to a point where they're like, God, this guy is fucking draining us. We need to find a musician who's about as good for less. You don't want them searching for different stuff. You want to make sure everybody's happy. You want to. I kind of remember our zooming telescoping thing. Zoom out, right? You want to provide slightly more value than like you want to be providing them with more value than they think they're paying for. Just a little bit, right? You want them to think, "Man, we're getting a deal." You know? So don't don't charge them in a way that they're going to be like, "God, this guy's overcharging us. This is not worth it." But charge you want to be just under where they
0: think Man, we're
1: getting like ten bucks extra out of this guy.
0: Slightly off topic, but it can be tied into this. My question to you is do you throughout the course of the week reflect on the previous week's gigs and kind of think, could have done this different or this is how they, you know, perceived me. Do you think back on it or no? You just go and we're on to the next gig.
1: That's an interesting question. I mean, I journal every day, so sometimes that ends up in my journal. I recommend you do that. We should do like a mental health episode too, because it's just it's like the backbone of all of this. If you're not if you're not healthy, all of your, I mean, even if you're, no matter what work you're doing, if you're not mentally and physically healthy, your work's going to suffer. So maybe we can do an episode like that. That has, that has been a huge part of my growth here too in the last year or two is getting that stuff kind of nailed down. We we can do that. Yeah. So anyway, I I don't, I don't do it really deliberately. I'll get home and I'll think, man, that was a good gig or man, that gig fucking sucked.
0: Okay. So when you say that, when you say that gig fucking sucked, do you Uh think, what was it that sucked?
1: Uh, the crowd couldn't be bothered to give a shit. The tips sucked. That's mainly it. If the crowd, I mean, if I make a lot of tips, even if the crowd doesn't seem particularly into it, that's a good gig. If I make 150 bucks in tips, yeah, and the crowd is silent the whole fucking time, that's fine. Yeah, that's a good gig. If the crowd is super into it and, and engaged, and I walk out with 40, bu- like that never happens, really. If mm-hmm. the crowd is super into it and engaged, you're making tips, even if they're by and large cheap asses, because if they're really engaged, even if they give you two bucks. And usually there'll be a few people in the crowd who aren't cheap asses and they'll give you 20 bucks. If, if like, if you're doing, if you're really crushing it and the crowd is loving it, you'll make tips. So, I mean, it, that almost never happens. But if I, if the crowd really loved it the whole time and I make 40 bucks in tips, that, that, there's actually one venue where that happens pretty regularly. That's still a good gig. I still, I go home feeling fine about it. Um, that is one thing though, if, if, as long as you're back to pricing for a second, if you're doing a gig kind of over and over again and the tips are consistently like 30 bucks, You should try to charge them more because for obvious reasons, because because you got a rate you're trying to hit. So, yeah, factoring, factoring your tips into your rate is something you can do. This is another another kind of thing where it turns it kind of from science to art a little bit. I do. I keep a uh, a Google sheet, uh, the base pay, the tips, the amount of time, including drive time. And I can break it all down. I started doing this this year, actually late last year. late late in 2020, early 2021. And uh, tracking things is good. Do that. That's how I know I'm making, uh, I've been averaging over eight grand a month for the last few months. That's how I know, you know, in off season, by the way, I'm making two fucking thousand dollars a week, working four day work weeks in off season. And there's the reason that I know that instead of just kind of vaguely knowing that I'm doing well is because I'm keeping meticulous track of it. I write down, uh, I type in my tips, I type in the base pay, before the month even starts and my base pay is already all entered in there. So I know what my base pay is going to look like and it's it's been pretty steady. So my base pay looks like around 6000 to $6,500 uh, during off-season and my tips then bring me up to eight grand pretty much every month last couple of months. So it's roughly $1,500 to $2,000 in tips. So let's say it's 6200 just to keep the numbers easier. That means 25% of my income is from tips. So tips cannot be disregarded, right? Tipping is a big deal. There's one gig that I have that is actually below my floor rate. It's a weekly gig. That's another thing that plays into it. They pay me this price every week, even in September during hurricane season. It's 200 bucks for four hours, right? So that's 50 an hour. That is, that is a floor rate that I had left in the past, right? I asked them for my current floor rate at the time. I said 250 for four hours. They said, can't do that. The most I can do is 200, and I have found out since that I am the highest-paid musician there because I asked for more, you know. And uh, that is—it's below my floor rate. The guy said I can do 200 for four hours, but I promise the tips are insane. It's actually a guy that I kind of know through my as a friend of my mom's. Went to the gig, and indeed the tips were insane. And I—I I keep track of it, and I, you know, I make fucking 500 bucks there usually. Well, four, 400 to 500. I—I I have my record-breaking tip day there. I made 400. and... $10 in one night there. And that's your round. Yeah. And in, in off season, it comes down to like 80 to 120. Right. It probably averages around 100 in off season, which is still fucking great. During season, it goes, it's 250 regularly. Yeah. Tips are something you should consider. Recurrence of the gig is something you should consider when you're doing pricing.
0: Now, that gig specifically is in a unique location because it's right next to this major resort that's on an island. So if you can find a spot that has live music next to a major resort, try and get a gig there. Yeah, because people when they they're gonna want to go out, they're gonna do stuff, they're gonna want to drink, and if you're the only live music, and you're next to a resort that houses thousands of people, you know, on a weekly basis. Yep. Try and lock that gig down.
1: There's another thing about this gig that is also has a similarity with my brunch gig, that makes it pretty ideal for what what we're doing here. That is, you're outdoors. You're sitting and this is, you know, maybe you can't do this year round where you are, but you're outdoors and you're next to a high foot traffic area. So in the brunch gig, I'm at an outdoor mall. I'm out on the patio and there's people walking by, right? And They're deciding where they're going to eat or drink. And there's a guy out there on the patio with a speaker saying, hey, I'm Peter Coulter. I'm playing music. They can hear you from far away. They can hear you as they're walking up. You can say the specials. I say, hey, it's bottomless mimosas till three, everybody. Come Mm. on in. I'm Peter Coulter. I'm playing music here every Saturday and Sunday, 11 to 3, and that the numbers and I've had the owner and two managers tell me the numbers are so are so clearly different when you're here. Like, and this is why I'm asking, going to ask for a raise. And really. that's what you want to hear. Yeah, that's what you want to hear. And a lot of times people won't tell you that because they don't want you to ask for a raise. But I mean, it's almost like these guys are asking me to ask for a raise. They're they're like, man, this is this is fucking working. Like, good job, you're doing great. Uh, we love you here. So I'm gonna ask for a raise. That and that's also the case at this uh, Captiva gig, that my Sunday evening gig that has insane tips. There are people walking down this road from the sunset, like the sun. It's like a world famous sunset spot, right at the end of the road, Upper Captiva, yeah. And so they walk from that place to their car, and they're walking by, and it's you know seven or eight or whatever, and they yeah. stop in for a drink because they hear the music. You know, it's that is a, a pretty good place.
0: Yeah, it's convenient, too, because they yep. have the convenience store right there on the corner, too, which is like the island's convenience store, mm. too. Right. So if you're playing outside, people coming in and out, you hear it. You, even if you're not right. stopping, you know that that place has live music for the, maybe the next week.
1: Right. Foot traffic is good. Foot yeah. traffic that can hear you is good. And it, it, it goes back to our our thing where it's like these bars that are asking if you have a following and shit, they're they're barking up the wrong tree. Red flags. Yeah. And it's, it's because they own a bar that's way the fuck out of the way and nobody goes to. In part, a lot of times. Mm -hmm. It's because they're at a bar where they don't have crowds coming in, and they don't have crowds walking by, and they're like, oh, can you bring people from their houses to our bar? No, I can't, all right? I can play music for a crowd that's here and have them stay longer or have them call their friends and have their friends come or have them come next week because they like the music, or I can have people who are walking by come in because they hear the music. I can do that because that is my job. I'm an entertainer. I come in, and I play music, and people say, oh, music, I don't, I'm not a promoter. A promoter is a different job. If you want a promoter who's going to bring a crowd in, you got to pay me to do that. That's a different job. Um, I'm not, you know, and you can offer stuff like that. You can say like, hey, uh, part of my thing is I promote the shit out of this on Instagram. I have a huge Instagram following that is local and is relevant to you. I promote in this way and I can charge more because of that. Like that's something you can add, but that's not the center of your bullseye. The center of your bullseye is You come in, you entertain a crowd that is either there or is walking by and potentially could be there. You're not bringing people off their couch to come sit at this bar. And that's what these fucking dudes were doing to me in the beginning. When they were like, oh, bring your friends from home to Mm -hmm. come buy drinks from us and watch their fucking stupid friend play for free. But you didn't know better. That's right. I didn't know better. And now you do.
0: Exactly. Now you do. On the topic of that, you have to ask yourself what a day is worth to you.
1: That's right. So you got your floor price. There's obviously supply and demand has a lot to do with this, but there's also what... Your time is worth to you, right? Obviously, that's important. I mean, if you're already making $1,000 an hour as doing something, you know, I mean, you're basically doing this for fun then, right? Because $50 an hour or $100 an hour to play a weekend gig, like,
0: who gives a shit if you're making $1,000 an hour elsewhere? Unless you're not happy doing what you're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're not happy, save that fucking money, reduce your cost of living and (laughs) save a lot of that money, and then start doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what's a day worth to you, right? So you got to ask yourself, like, what is my time worth to me? So I, I have asked this to myself, and if somebody were to come to me and say, it, it's going to depend on how much money you're already making is what I'm saying. That's why, why I brought up the $1,000 an hour thing. If you're already making money, if I like, for instance, I'm making my Saturday and Sunday. Let's do some quick math here. Let's say I make 250 bucks per gig. You know, let's not even include tips. Let's just say I'm making 250 per gig. That's four gigs on Saturday and Sunday. Double, double. 500 500 I'm making a thousand bucks a week on Saturday and Sunday. Am I gonna pick up a Friday gig for 150 dollars to make 1150 a week and add another day to my work week? I don't think so. No I need to be making 250 at least on that Friday night to work to put an extra day on my schedule. otherwise I can have five day weekends every week make a thousand bucks a week before tips by the way and be working two days a week and, and be working on those five days it doesn't have to all be sitting on my couch. I can work on other stuff that can make me money like this podcast and and the mercenary musician course that we're that we're creating. I can work on other things that are interesting and fun and not everybody has to be as fastidious as we are and crazy as we are. But you know, you can learn things. Right. You can you can be improving your act. You can be working if you if you just want to do doubles on Saturday and Sunday if you can arrange that.
0: Shit, sure, you can teach music on the side.
1: Teach music? I mean there's there's Fiber, just you know or... What I, what I'm saying here is your time like make your make your Pricing makes sense to you, right? It doesn't make sense for me to blow another day of my week for hundred bucks or two hundred bucks even. It makes sense for me to blow another day for four hundred bucks if I'm get if I got a two hundred fifty dollar gig for Friday night that's giving me hundred fifty in tips. I'm making four hundred bucks. Okay, I'm I'm multiplying my weekly income by one point four yep. by adding a day. That makes some sense to me. If I'm multiplying it by one point one, Mm-mm. I don't think so. That doesn't make sense to add another. I'd rather have a five day weekend. Yep. You know, so Shift and that's that's why we're talking about like this Thursday idea is like this Thursday is on the cutting block a little bit. It was part of part of why I asked for a raise is because do I want a four day weekend or three day weekend? Obviously, I fucking want a four day weekend is a four day weekend versus a three day weekend worth two hundred and fifty bucks plus tips to me. It's close, honestly. Three twenty plus tips. Maybe maybe it is worth it. Maybe it is. I mean, maybe it is firmly worth it instead of like kind of close to worth it like it is now. You know, so that's another Another element here. This is actually something that Tim Ferriss talks about a lot. Is if you're making fifty thousand bucks a year, but you're working ten hours a week, and you have all this free time, you're doing better than a guy who's making a hundred thousand dollars a year who works eighty hours a week. Because you have the time. Because you have the time. This is your life. You know, it's finite. This is another thing about Stoic philosophy too. Your time is supremely valuable. All right. It's the only thing that you really have. It's just like don't give it away. Don't give it away for free. Don't give it away for cheap. Yeah, and what's what's the other thing? There's another another saying that is attributed to Abraham Lincoln, but I think might not be correct, but it's like, if you gave me three hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend two and a half hours sharpening the axe, something like that. That's another, another kind of idea that is related to this, right? So don't just jump in and gig, 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 gig. You can spend a lot of time getting your, being good at guitar, being good at singing, stuff like that. So maybe that's a little off topic, but spend some, you can spend some of that time improving your act, learning other things that are going to make you better at this. Anyway, so what's your time worth to you? That is an important question to ask. It's not just, okay, supply and demand tells me this, so my time is worth this. No, no. Your time, you need to have an independent answer for this question. What is my time worth to me? It's worth X. Okay, what does supply and demand say? Okay, it's worth, hopefully X plus, hopefully it's worth two X. I mean, that would be sick if your time is worth 100 bucks an hour to you and supply and demand says 200 bucks an hour that's cool and there's a law of diminishing returns thing that happens here right so the difference between having 0 gigs and having 1 gig that pays you 250 bucks is infinite the difference between 0 and 250 is infinite infinite because 0 is 0 right the difference between 250 and 500 is not infinite it has reduced infinitely actually but it has reduced to a 2x difference right it's not it's not from zero to infinity, not not zero to infinity, but it's not an infinite difference. Zero and 250 are infinitely different. 250 and 500 are only different by half. 500 and 750, now remember, you're just adding 250s here in this case. Now it's only 1.5. It's going from 2X to 1.5X. Now you add another 250, you're getting up to 1,000. 1.25, right? Instead of, yeah, 0.75 or 1.25, right? Depending on how you how you flip the fraction. So your, your returns are diminishing there. So it's just important to think about what, what your time's worth to you, what your day is worth to you, how where that where that diminishing return thing makes it not no longer worth it to add gigs. And I'm I'm kinda right on the line here. I'm I'm either doing three day work weeks or four day work weeks. I'm never gonna do five days again because it's not worth it. It would not be worth it to me to pick up a Wednesday. At 250 a gig, plus, plus even 150 in tips.
0: Unless it'd be like a special event or something of that nature. And it, and
1: that's that's what I do with Wednesdays. I'm yeah. like, if you want a Wednesday, it's going to fucking cost you. $1,000. $1, yeah, it's going to fucking cost you because it's turning my it's turning my three-day weekend into a two, two-day weekend, which I don't want to do. So that's it, that's beyond just supply and demand. It's not, okay, the supply and demand is this. And this is what I did early on that, that hurt so much and made it fucking suck so bad for me is I, I thought I had kind of supply and demand figured out. And I just... Booked at that rate, booked at that rate, booked at that rate, booked at that rate, booked at that rate rate, until I was working 13 nights in a row with doubles in there, one night off repeat. And I just was fucking miserable. It sucked. And I obviously thought again and changed it. And it's so much better now. I'm making twice as much money working half the time, which tells you a couple things. It tells you my supply and demand calculation was not correct. So anyway, that actually leads me into this, this idea, right? So you got your floor price, which 50 bucks an hour. That's what I was doing. I booked, 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 booked. I filled my schedule up. I was running out of time. I was running out of days in the week, right? So that tells me that I was pricing too low because demand was higher than the supply that I had, right? I'm filled up at this rate. So then I can start getting rid of my least favorite gigs, which are going to be Tuesdays, Mondays, Wednesdays, you know, the early in the week stuff where people aren't out as much. So I started taking those to the to the sword and then raising my rates. And that, That's it, you know, you... You can kind of explore supply and demand that way. Where is demand the highest? Supply stays the same. So where is demand the highest? For the most part, supply stays the same. Supply does go up a little bit on Saturdays because you have people who work day jobs. It doesn't go right along with demand. Demand spikes high on Fridays and Saturdays for music.
0: So when you're booking your schedule, you're starting with
1: Friday and Saturday. Great point. That's exactly what I would do. I would start Friday and Saturday nights first. And I would... Honestly, I would... Your floor price, 50 an hour, that should be like off-peak floor. I would say if you're doing a Friday or Saturday night, I'd try for 200 for three hours to start and see what they say. Or start higher. You know, try 100 an hour and see what happens. You might and experiment a little bit with this because it's going to be slightly different from place to place. People booking music will be kind of... They won't really know.
0: That's the thing I was going to say. If you, have, if you are professional and you're confident and you have your proper promotional material on you and it's short and concise... Man, the first impression, you're more than likely going to get that gig. Yeah. If you have everything ready to go, when you come in and you have all the ammunition you need, you're going to get the gig. Yeah, if they're actually looking
1: for musicians, yeah, yeah. then yes. I agree. So, yeah, I mean, try – so your floor price, I wouldn't uh, – I hate to say start – lead with your floor price because you want to kind of start with a higher price. Well, and, you
0: can always go high, and the worst thing they're going to say is we can't do that. They're not going to just come out and say no. Right, they're, they're not going, going to, say, to kick you in the nuts. And then you can adjust
1: you know yeah they're not gonna they're not gonna punch you
0: you know help me get to a point where this makes sense
1: Forget or, the or if they do you just rang the fucking cash register baby you got a little assault lawsuit on your hands that'd be sweet yeah and i'm not encouraging anyone to be litigious i think that's a problem in our society by the way actually don't don't just willy-nilly sue people but also don't let people punch you in the face
0: yeah don't yeah don't do that <laughs> stand up for yourself
1: all right where are we at chad keep me on track here you're my uh you're my weather vane
0: uh well let's talk about booking agents
1: Okay. That's an interesting one. So my, my thoughts on booking agents have have varied over over the years.
0: Yeah? Yeah. So what was it initially?
1: Uh, it was very negative initially. Basically, a booking agent, for, for what I was doing, I was booking all my own stuff. So the only time I ever came into contact with a booking agent was when I would try to book with a place and they'd say, oh, we do everything through a booking agent. So talk to this guy. And then I'd have to do all the same work I was doing anyway to go contact this booking agent and fucking give this dude 50 bucks or 25 bucks or whatever off the top of my gig. And so, you know, and it was always, you know, yeah, this place pays 125 for three hours. And I'm like, okay, obviously they pay 150 for three hours.
0: They always have a little form of arrogance to them as well. Oh, man. <laughs>
1: man, I have this one particular one who's just like, oh, fuck yourself, dude. Because yeah. oftentimes they're musicians who have kind of reached the end of their supply where they're like, okay, well, now what do I do? And I've got more gigs than I can handle, so how can I make a buck off this? Which is not—I don't think—in itself wrong. Um, I mean, we may do that. You know, we may try to help you book gigs and take a little—a little cut. But it, I don't think it's wrong in itself. But if—if if you're going to have a booking agent, I always thought, make my life easier. Come, you should come to me with a gig, and offer it to me, and not. Ha-. So, so my early experience with it was trying to book in a place and just being just being directed to a per, to a middleman who's just like, hey, actually, we don't do that. Give this guy 25 bucks to do it. I'm just like, I don't want to fucking do that. So in that case, the booking agent is helping the venue and not me. The booking agent is basically working for the venue and not me. If you can get a booking agent working for you, it can work well. I actually know a guy who uh, just moved from this area to Atlanta, and he's a great guy. He is one of the top, he was one of the top tier musicians in this area, and he's among, I think, the better ones up there even still. He's a great guy. We've mentioned him before, Keith. He's also a writer, so check him out. Keith Klug and a really nice guy. He moved to Atlanta. His uh, his fiancee or wife, I forget if they're married, got a job in Atlanta that like couldn't turn down. It was just a big move for her, and so they moved up to Atlanta. And like within a couple months, he met a booking agent there, who was like, "Yeah, man, I've got like lots of gigs. I work for lots of venues. I've got tons of gigs for solo guys and bands and everybody." Well, let me get your contact info. And this booking agent just filled up this dude's whole schedule. You know, so that is that can work. Right. And the guy's taking a cut and he's transparent about it. He's like, I take I forget if he takes twenty five or fifty a gig. It's like a flat rate. It's not a percentage. I think it might be 50 a gig. And he just hooks this guy up with work. The dude doesn't have to book it. He doesn't have to go around looking for anything. He just has a booking agent who's got like work. It's clutch. It's it's sweet. It takes and it's worth the money that you're paying this booking agent. You know, you say you're paying playing four gigs a week that. Are, that would be $300 a gig or 250 a gig, and now they're 200 or 250 for you. And the booking agent's taking that other 50 I mean, the amount of legwork you would have had to do to go to all those four different, that five different places. Bullshit. Yeah, and like, it's just like, it's hooked up for you already. That is, convenient that's convenient. That's convenient, and it's fucking sweet. And especially if you're in a new place and you're just like, I don't know anybody. I'd have to do all this footwork. I'd have to figure out where these places are that do music. I'd have to figure out where the slots are. I don't. Like, I'd go to 10 places and they'd all be booked up, probably, a lot of them. And, I mean, that's a fucking pain in the ass. And it's sweet that this dude ran into a booking agent who's got plenty of work. And you get time back. And you get you get time back. And it, it's worth it. So, not it sucks when you when you are booking your own stuff and a, and a venue says, no, talk to our booking agent. Because you know you're just going to get fucked out of 50 bucks or whatever yeah. for no reason. But if a booking agent is helping you fill your schedule up, that's worth it. That's cool. And I've also... I've just recently started working with this this company called Beat Gig, which is very interesting. They're nationwide. They've got different guys that cover uh, different regions. This guy contacted me out of the blue. I'm not actually sure how he found me, but I will be sure to ask him. And it's, you know, it's a a company that gives you, like, a guy per region. This guy covers, like, the southeast region, specifically a lot of Florida. And he had a gig at some country club in Naples. And he's like, hey, uh, what are your, you know, what are your rates? And, And this is another thing that's like, if a booking agent is just gonna give you, is gonna cover your rates, then who gives a shit if he takes fifty bucks? He's mm-hmm. paying your rate, you know. I gave him my rates, and he's like, "Oh, cool, I've got a gig that pays your rate, you know, minus what we're taking off the top of it." And he That's was cool. very, again, very transparent. This is what you want out of a booking agent. You want them to be transparent. Tell them what they are taking. He said, "Yeah, we take whatever amount. I think it's, uh, I think actually they do take a percentage, but they charge the uh, the venue." I'm pretty sure. I, I don't remember exactly, but I remember the deal being good enough for me. I've got two gigs booked with them. And again, this is this is something I didn't have to do any work for. Someone came to me with a gig and said, hey, can you play this gig at this rate? And I said, yep, that sounds fine. And they're taking a cut. So and that's that's,
0: that's a nationwide booking agency?
1: Yeah, they're based out of New York, I'm pretty sure.
0: And So maybe we try and do some affiliation. I think we ben. should. I,
1: I'm going to see how, how these couple gigs go yeah. first, but I think we should. And I'm also talking to this guy about, uh, I sent him a list of questions related to the podcast here about what different regions are like and what the pay cool. is like in different cities cool. and regions. So I'm... Um,
0: Remember, we want to hear from you on that too if you're yes, in a different spot. please. So we're constantly kind of like putting this whole thing together. The more we know, the more we can help you.
1: That's right. Get in touch with us.
0: Even if it's just to say you fucking suck. We want to hear it. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah, all feedback is appreciated. Even you fucking suck. Yeah, exactly. Especially if it's directed at chat.
0: You took the time to do it and that <laughs> I respect you for. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, looks like we've pretty much covered everything. You ready for a recap? Yes. All right, so the first, the first thing we covered, and it's very important, it's the economics of it, the supply and demand.
1: Yeah, the kind of general picture, supply and demand, supply is a certain thing, demand is a certain other thing, those interact, obviously. If supply stays the same and demand goes up, prices go up. If supply goes up and demand stays the same, prices go down. If supply and demand stay the same, I I guess everything stays the same. (laughs) You know, you kind of know how those things press on each other. They have pressure. Yeah, if you notice, man, I'm turning down a lot
0: of fucking work, then you can maybe raise your prices. You should. Yeah. You should reassess at that point. Yeah. Speaking of which, so then we discussed the floor prices. Now, when you're a working musician, you really don't submit a resume for gigs like you would for a job. Granted, you could tell them where you've played in the past, but the thing is, your rates are going to be kind of your resume. Your rates are going to let them know where you stand as a player, right?
1: Yeah. And the and the level of confidence you present your rates with. That's exactly it. I mean, so you can kind of come in like wobbly.
0: You should have... All of this already outlined and defined and not just for bar work, but also for events, for holiday work, for country clubs. Do you feel that there should be between bars and country clubs? How do you approach that? Because that I imagine that's one of the gigs where it's less tips.
1: Oh, yeah. Country clubs. Well, country club pool bars can be great, actually. But uh, country club clubhouses kind of suck for tips. You're like background music. Although a lot of time, like you'll get fewer, fewer people tipping, but you'll oftentimes get 20s. Because okay. people in country clubs have money, so yeah, I, I charge, but I charge more. You you can't really charge more for a clubhouse versus a pool bar at the same place. Mm-hmm. So my my rates for country clubs have gone up. I started at hundred bucks an hour and nobody blinked. So I tried to go up to one, uh, one twenty five an hour, and there was not very much blinking. And then I tried one fifty, and there was lots of blinking. So. I've found that 125 an hour is kind of my sweet spot for country clubs, which is fucking great money, especially if you're at a pool bar and you're also making 150 bucks in tips. So you're making 375 and three hour gig and you make 150 bucks in tips. That is 525. Pretty cool. For me, these country clubs are like an hour away from my house. Usually they're in Naples, 45 to an hour away. So the whole thing, including setup, which should take about a half hour, is five and a half hours. Let's call it six. So if you're making five hundred something bucks in six hours, you're making almost hundred bucks an hour, including travel time and and all that. So for that's a
0: cush gig. You don't yeah, really have to worry about hecklers or no, drunks for the most part. No people
1: people at I I think my ideal gig is a country club pool bar for this type of work. Uh-huh. I, I love it because it's got the it's got the sweet spot of high hourly, good tips, engaged audience. I I love those pool, I love yeah. those pool bar gigs at country clubs. And they, they like music. They're excited to see you at. at at the pool, you know. Yeah, yeah. People, people in country clubs get a bad get a bad rap, but and it's somewhat well deserved in the clubhouse. <laughs> when you when you you'll see the difference if yeah. you go play at a pool bar at a, at a country club. It's a different crowd than the clubhouse yeah.
0: people. A bunch of Q tips. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So anyway, what what was the what was the question? Okay, yeah. So we're talking about floor pricing. I do want to I do want to say something about floor pricing. So I I don't think you should go in asking for fifty an hour. I just think that you should have that as the absolute lowest you'll yeah. go. Period. Test the
0: waters. Remember, i are gonna say is we can't start do with that. 80 an
1: hour, you know? I would say start with 80 an hour and see what happens. 80 an hour is kind of where I'm at right now with the with what I ask for and I've had some good success with it. People cuz you end up 3 hours is 240, 4 hours is 320. So you end up at these kind of numbers where they they kind of just feel right and if somebody pushes back on 320 you can say, "Okay, how about 300?" Like, let's just meet mm-hmm. let's meet down at 300. Um, Meeting in the middle. Yeah. Um, if you're doing a country club charge more, I'd I'd just go for 125 an hour at a country club. I am doing more and more country clubs, which is affecting my pricing in bars and and restaurants because if I can get a gig at a country club that pays 125 bucks an hour, why am I paying playing for 70 an hour at a bar? The time is not as worth more to me now because country clubs are willing to pay more for better musicians. So I'm playing less bars now, um, than I was because of country clubs. So that's kind of something to think about, too. Pricing in different venues is slightly different, and you can go for different things. Yeah, don't don't offer your floor price. Just keep that in mind as, like, the bottom.
0: Yeah, don't, never go below that. Right, right. And keep in mind, you have to remember to remind yourself what a day is worth to you. Yeah. you know, Time is the only form of currency that we don't get back. That's right. So it needs to be important to you, and you need to structure your week out properly. And in doing so, Friday and Saturday nights need to be the first nights that you book out. That's your, what I would do. Yeah, start with Friday and Saturday nights and book out
1: from there. I mean, I think the best way to do your schedule is to do doubles as much as you can. If you can do a Saturday Saturday brunch gig and a Saturday night gig, if you're trying to do this full-time especially, if you're just doing it for fun weekend warrior type thing, maybe that's a bit much. You can ease into it. Yeah, but uh, man, the doubles are sick. Dude, making you know, making 700 bucks on Saturday before and 700 bucks on Sunday. That is the shit right and there. Knowing I that love it.
0: while everyone else is starting the work week, you have the next three days off. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty, pretty killer. Pretty incredible. Yeah. You know, when you're first starting out, if you have questions about what the pay structure is in, in the area that you intend to play, it's okay to go ahead and ask other musicians.
1: Yeah. And don't be weird about it. I've had people, <laughs> <laughs> I've had people kind of come up to me and like, they're basically, it just feels like someone with their hand out, And it's, uh, Usually it won't happen face to face. People who are this weird won't do this to you face to face. They just like will ask you on like Instagram Messenger or something. They'll be like, oh, I see you're playing gigs a lot. I want to do that. Uh, Please, sir. (laughs) You know, it's like, (laughs) tell me, tell me what, you know, what, what do you charge for that? Oh, do you like, and it's like, dude, I'm not going to like give you inside information on my work so you can try to undercharge me by 25 bucks. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It, that's what it feels like. Uh-huh. So like, don't, don't be that person, you know, make friends. It's like, it's just like so much of everything is just making friends, make friends with musicians and talk to them about what's going on. Yeah. Network. You know, I've got a couple of, I've got a couple people who did it right. They came up to me and they made friends with me. And one guy is like brand new, has not booked any gigs yet. And I'm like taking him under my wing cause he became my friend. He's a nice guy. And he has come out to a couple gigs and tipped me and clapped and said, I'm awesome. And, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm a musician, too. And I would like to do this. How do you do this? Uh, Okay, well, you know, cool. Hey, maybe I can hook you up with a sub gig, man. Let's get you started kind of thing. And he's my friend now. He's an acquaintance kind of friend. He's not like my friend friend, but... I'm willing to help this guy because he didn't come up with his fucking handout, going like, "Hey, how much
0: do you charge for that?" Yeah, well, you know? and not just that, but you know, I know that the course and the podcast centers around becoming a cover artist. But at the end of the day, when you're a musician, you're playing because you enjoy it. Yeah, you know, we're playing cover artist material because that makes money. But at the end of the day, playing brings us joy. So meeting other like-minded musicians, where you could potentially, who knows what you guys can create? At the end of the day, you're an artist. You're creating something. Yeah. And the more you network with other fellow artists, the more beautiful music we get in this world. Yeah, and That's what it go. all comes back to. I'm with you. Without further ado, I believe that wraps up today's episode on pricing.
1: Is it further ado or further ado? don't? <laughs>
0: further I don't.
1: God, I'm good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sneaky Pete. All right. We're done here, huh? We're done here, guys. All right. Don't be afraid to reach out. We want to help you. Yes. Find us at Peter at MercenaryMethods.com, Chad at MercenaryMethods.com, we're also on Instagram, Mercenary Musician. We're also on Facebook, if it's still up and uh, running. I know it's been down. <laughs> yeah. Mercenary Musician. Catch us on Apple Podcast, Podbean, and Spotify. Thanks, yes. guys. Thanks, guys.